3: And I'm Jamie Jennings, and I'm in Norman, Oklahoma, and you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for September 15th, episode 2,767. Good morning, horse people. Everybody up, rise and shine. It's a new day. It's Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday.
4: Here we go again.
3: In a way, we go. Wendy Ying, thank you so much for being with me today. When Glenn said, who do you want as a co-host while I'm out of town? I said, give me Dr. Wendy.
1: Oh, thanks, Jamie. I'm so happy
3: to be here. I feel like it's been forever since we've been able to catch up on the show. What's new in
1: the world of Dr. Wendy? Oh, well, I have some exciting news that happened to me this morning. You all, you all know that I'm a backyard chicken person. And right. I have these three hens that go broody all the time. But... They have like all the other chickens come lay eggs under there. So they get tons and tons of eggs. And this one little tiny egg fell out of their their box and it cracked. And I was so sad and I thought, okay, well, I'm just going to put it in the incubator just in case. And this morning it hatched.
3: What? So you have roosters obviously as well?
1: Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, I love my roosters. They're great. So three hens,
3: how many how many roosters?
1: Well, I have three that sit on the eggs, but I have 10 hens and I have three roosters. Oh boy. Those poor hens. <laughs>
3: those poor ladies. Yeah. Okay. So it hatched this morning and, and it was cracked and it was, and it's fine. Is it like that? Yeah, it was mentally- cracked and it was
1: cracked really severely. Like I thought there's no way this baby can make it. But I thought, and I, you know, and it, it wasn't chirping yet or anything, but I thought I'm just going to put on in the incubator. I'm going to give it a chance. And I really wish I took a picture of it and documented it because this is always how it happens. When I have these great things that happen, I never document it. Well, you have to start thinking of your life in social media terms because if it,
3: you know what, if it cracked, nobody's going to believe you because it didn't happen if it's not online. I know. (laughs) I know. (laughs) But the baby made it and it's chirping right now as we speak. Is it like, like uh, damaged? Is it mentally challenged? What's
1: going on? Well, I don't know yet. We'll see. <laughs> <Is>
3: <laughs> but like chickens are mom? so
1: amazing because they can go from like a single cell and in 21 days they're like out and ready to eat, run around. It's don't, pretty crazy. It's, it's crazy.
3: So I have this tiny rooster. He's a Malaysian Sarama and I can't stand oh, having roosters because the problem with having, you have hens and they lay the eggs and they scratch and they eat bugs and they have a job and the rooster's job is to like, do the things that the roosters do and they don't ask permission. They just go for it. And these (laughs) girls are like, what's happening? They like cower down and the rooster does business and like struts off. Right. So I have this tiny, tiny rooster and these giant, like normal sized hens and Wendy, there's nothing funnier Uh than watching this guy attempt to make magic happen with these ladies. Oh, my so God. So he runs up to them. And, of course, they're like, it's almost like you can see them roll their eyes. And they're like, <laughs> okay, fine. And they he, like, jumps on him, And he's right, like, kind of in between their wings. Yeah. <laughs> and he, like, does his business. And he jumps down. And he's like, yeah. And the hands get up and, like, <laughs> shake it off. It's <laughs> amazing. There is no way that any... Things are getting where the things are supposed to go. You should (laughs) get him a girlfriend. "Uh, uh, Yeah, I'm good. Like, it's cool. Like, (laughs) he can just do it. It makes me laugh. So I think it's entertaining. But we have not had any uh, successful pairings with tiny chickens since (laughs) he arrived. But what's new in the world of veterinary medicine that you practice? Because you're uh, a little bit Eastern and a little bit Western.
1: Well, um, I mean, you don't have any cutting edge, uh, <laughs> research going on in TCVM. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't say that we, we do evidence-based studies, but, um, uh, for my own, uh, practice, I had, a my own horse, you know, Dante was struggling with EPM for many years and, uh, he's like almost recovered and he's actually gaining some weight and muscle back. And, uh, there was a time when, if he was my client's horse, I probably, I I mean, not probably, I would have recommended they euthanize them, you know, because when we have EPM that severe, it's, you don't expect them to come back like that. I did document this one actually (laughs) video. So, (laughs) but, um, so, I mean, that's pretty positive that we have a lot more, uh, research with that and, As you all know, I talk about pathogens and Dr. Ellison a lot, um, and she's a Ph.D. and a veterinarian, and she does a lot of work uh, with EPM and the molecular basis of that and how it's an inflammatory disease, very much like how when people die of COVID-19, they die of that cytokine storm, right? It's like your body's response to that inflammation, Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of uh, new information about EPM and its consequences. And I think we're getting a handle on that kind of treatment.
3: That's interesting you mention that because my horse actually was just diagnosed with EPM here in Oklahoma. It is so endemic. And there's one particular farm that these racehorses come from that almost all of them end Mm -hmm. up getting EPM. In their future life. And that's pretty much why they stop racing at some point. And yeah. then they come to the rescue and they get sent to me to train. And I'm like, okay, this horse has a problem. And so I, but I adopted one and he wasn't really showing a whole lot of signs. Well, It's been a a struggle with him and he was just diagnosed with it. Um, I picked Mm. up the canner and he almost fell on me. And Mm. so I had, you know, the vet out and we have been working on strengthening and getting him fit and getting him stronger. And she's not been working. And so she did the tail pull. He almost fell over. I mean, it was very, Mm. he's, he's very dramatic. And, and I feel like it has been like underlying for a while and now it's really something. So, Aside from the medication that he's getting, that she's bringing actually shortly, um, what are some of the things that you do? To What did you do to save Dante?
1: Well, you know, I think uh, when I graduated from vet school in 1999, which I know sounds like a long time ago, but in the grand oh, scheme whatever. of things, it isn't. <laughs> Please, we're we were age. very, we were very, uh, we were unable really to notice, to diagnose EPM. Yeah, And we didn't notice it early. We noticed it when it was like like so ridiculously beyond the pale. But, um, uh, you know, we it's moved so far that now we are testing more frequently when we see signs of like ain't doing right. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we don't dismiss it like, oh, everything tests positive for EPM, blah, blah, blah. So I think it's great that your veterinarian um, – tested and you got the results and now you're doing something about it um and of course you need conventional medicine i don't know what your veterinarian recommends but there's uh many different conventional treatments that are all very good and then for me i did chinese medicine obviously on dante which involves acupuncture and uh some herbal medicine And I can, uh, I have something on my blog about it, but I can also talk to you about it later after the show. And, um, one of the things I feel like is really important is physical therapy. So you need to do like when you have neurologic disease, right? Um, you kind of lose your proprioceptive, uh, reaction, which is like you lose where your body is in space. Where their feet are, where yeah. everything is supposed so, to be, yeah. And that's why you notice the tripping. Mm-hmm. So there are little things you can do to help rebuild that. And, um, you know, it's as easy as, like, putting some cavalettis down and making them walk over it. And just, like, leading them over it. Or leading them up and down hills. Or walking them sideways. Or even, like, uh, if if you're riding them you know, if they're, if they're not to, if they get back to the point where you can ride them, you can do like leg yields or turn on the forehand. Those kind of things are proprioceptive. They lose the, they lose the connection between the front and the back. Right.
3: So these are all physical therapy things that you recommend. I know I've got the, I've got them standing on sure foot pads as well. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Those are great. Yeah. So I'm really happy with that. Um, and as far as, You know, gosh, you can see so much online about EPM, and I didn't mean to get into a heavy EPM discussion, but we have a lot of people that are dealing with it, and it's one of those things, and I get to pick the brain of you, so this is great. Um, (laughs) One of the things, aside from the medication, which I don't know which one she's bringing. She's bringing it today, so Mm -hmm. I I haven't seen it yet, Um, but aside from that, I have heard other things that... Listeners have actually told me about last time I mentioned this, and it was, I mean, it, things from Butte to oils to different things that you can give them to help with the inflammation and to, and he's on the vitamin E supplement from Kentucky Performance oh, Products that's huge!
1: Now, yeah, that is like
3: huge okay so what are what are some of the huge things that i, I guess I, not to be a nerd or anything but i've got a pencil and i'm writing all this stuff
1: okay okay well the vitamin e that is huge because we know that there are multiple research studies that show that vitamin e is very beneficial to any neurologic disease and horses are so huge they're so big body wise right that the liquid vitamin e um, is is really a great supplement i and i know it's expensive but it that's worth it. Yeah. Um, the, all the other things that people are telling you to do all focus on the inflammation. And that's what I think, uh, Dr. Ellison's work has been so, um, important in the treatment of EPM like, yes, they're infected with a, with a parasite that causes that that's the EPM organism. Okay. But then we can kill off the EPM with the medicine that your vet's bringing today, okay? But what happens is the body's immune system gets uh, confused and then it starts, you start having an autoimmune inflammatory reaction. So the bo- the body says, oh, well, I, the EPM was hiding in the nerve sheath and now I'm going to make antibodies to the covering of the nerves. And that, we sometimes see that in Lyme's disease too, right? So, you know, Glenn has a bad Lyme day and he is like kind of foggy, can't think, and he's achy all over. That's what that is. That's like your own body is causing this reaction to your own cells and that's the inflammation out of control. So we have to control that inflammation because that's what's causing the signs. So when you say we have to control the inflammation, how can I can help control the inflammation? Well, the vitamin E is good. The butte would work. You know, sometimes we recommend um, steroids, like oral steroids. You'd never want to do that if you have like a cushionoid horse or, um, you know, a big fat pony. So you have to take that with a grain of salt. You can also control inflammation um, uh, with like increasing omega-3 fatty acids. We talk about that a lot on the show. Uh, Not just my show, but I know you've had lots of guests to talk about that. My favorite way to get omega-3 fatty acids into your horse is with chia seeds. Mm -hmm. Um, Because chia seeds, you know, a lot of people use flax. But here in Florida, it's so hot and humid that the flax, um,
5: the oils
1: degrade and get oxidized. So chia seeds are like these little tiny seeds and, and the seeds I can keep it out in my barn and it stays uh, stable for, for a long time. Oh,
3: wait, well, how much do you give them? Do you give them like a teaspoon or a, like a gallon? No, I, mean, like,
1: I would start with like a quarter of a cup. Okay. And I usually put that in like alfalfa pellets and then wet it down and it turns into this like gel. Yeah. So it's good for their tummy too because you're on so many medicines. You, I mean, you get a treat. Ulcers also, because John, so many anti inflammatories. And that's the other thing, too. Like you mentioned butte. Like,
3: I mean, butte can have its own side effects as far as uh, the GI tract goes. So when you give them the butte, I mean, what
0: do you do the whole
3: entire 30 days, or do you do one gram every three days? (laughs) Well, I
1: mean, it depends. (laughs) right? It depends.
3: You, you know what? I'm horse- just going
1: to fly you out here and let you look at my horse. And <laughs> well, you know what I can do. do is, um. and this is for everybody listening. The Chi Institute is like where I teach acupuncture and for veterinarians, right? And they have a website. It's tcvm.com. So traditional Chinese veterinary medicine.com. And if you go there, there's a map and you can just put in your address and it'll show you all the uh, veterinarians that have gone through Chi Institute and that are, uh, certified for acupuncture. Gotcha. And it's a great way to find somebody locally in your area. And we all have the same consensus about how to treat these things in TCVM, you know, so.
3: Gotcha. All right. So basically you're not going to come out here. You just. Refuse. No, I, I mean, I will.
1: I will, but <laughs> will. But I, I I want you to get somebody right now. Like I can't leave right now. I get a baby chick in the incubator get in about the car to come
3: and drive to Oklahoma. with <laughs> me. <laughs> well, this is all great information I've got. And, and, and like I said, my vet's coming today to, to bring the medicine and we're formulating a plan for Peter bless his heart. So um, thank you for all of this information. Sorry. I like totally took it that no. direction. We haven't even done daily Wendy's yet. <laughs> Let's get to that. All right. Daily Wendy, number one. Okay, well, since Glenn's not here, I have to do the birthdays for him. Or let me say, I get to do the birthdays for him. And I would like to say happy birthday to Auditors Bailey Collins, Robin Kane, and Joanna Sepka. So happy birthday, ladies.
1: My daily Winnie is to the newest gold medal winner in driving, and that is Tracy Bowman from Martinez, California. Uh, she uh, won the gold medal at the 2021 uh, FEI Para Driving World Championships. So congratulations, Woo-hoo! Tracy. That's so exciting. That is fantastic. Yeah, and, and she did it with her Welsh pony, Gelding Lars.
3: It is time to go visit our auditor, Emily Bentz, who is a woman that found, I I love highlighting stories like this because it's a woman who found a need and then did something about it. Emily, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So tell everybody about May Babes Equestrian. Uh,
0: So May Babes Equestrian is uh, a legging company and I started well, I actually started the original idea with maternity and postpartum um, leggings, and I'm now branching over to the equestrian realm, which I need to think it's funny that I didn't start with the equestrian thing and then go over to the other. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, they're really unique. So the the whole premise behind the leggings and what makes them different is that I designed a an internal hammock on the inside of the leggings. Uh, So they take out the need for wearing underwear with your um, riding tights or um, worrying about any kind of shaping or seams. And uh, I don't know. I think they're pretty special.
3: So basically, no, this is going to be tea, Mike, because Wendy doesn't have any kids and hasn't pushed a giant human out of her body. (laughs) And uh, George, our producer, (laughs) has also not pushed any humans out of his body. But I would like to say that it is a problem particularly close after when you first get back to riding post child or when you are pregnant and riding like I did, um, which is a little bit of leakage. I mean, you know, what are you going to say stuff happens. So this is something that you have, you've figured out a way to eliminate or at least make more comfortable.
0: Yeah, I have. I mean, the, so the pelvic floor, which is basically what um, muscle group supports your, the organs of your pelvis um, both of those systems take a really big hit when you're pregnant so you're pregnant for I don't know why they say nine months because you're actually pregnant for a little bit longer than that uh, yeah <laughs> it's, it's one bold. of the things that kind of chaps my hide a little it's bit. ridiculous um, <laughs> so you're pregnant which is obviously the weight of the baby and all the amniotic fluid and all that stuff that that puts strain on your pelvic floor um, you know how you engage your diaphragm and how you breathe when you're pregnant and how it pushes down on your pelvic floor um impacts everything and then you have the the delivery so if you have a c section you have you know major col- major surgical site there and if you have a vaginal birth then you you know push a baby out that area takes a huge hit when when uh you know those two life events happen and it just it, my original idea was that for after the baby when you wear a pad um immediately after postpartum, when your body's kind of doing all the, again, TMI, but doing all the cleaning out stuff. All the healing. Really helps because, healing. Yes. All the healing. Healing. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, I mean, we repopulate the world. We should be able to talk about this stuff. Openly. Right. It's I mean, come on. You know, on. it's a point of frustration for me, but um, so your body goes through all these big changes and you can wear a pad and then you don't have to wear all kinds of different layers of underwear. And then The way that it transferred to equestrian stuff is, of course, I wanted to get out and get riding, you know, as soon as possible after I had my, both my kids. And um, when I came up with this idea, I thought, well, this is great because you are, the whole idea behind like leaking or having any kind of, um, I just look at that as feedback from your body. So if you're riding and you leak a little bit, well, then you need to look at your pressure system and you need to look at, you know, the way that you're, it's just like if I was taking a lesson from you, Jamie, and you said, Hey, you're leaning over too much, you know, that's feedback and Uh the leggings are a way to facilitate your postpartum and after children you know, experience and, and kind of meet you where you're at. So you can wear a pad with them. Absolutely. If you do have, um, any kind of leaking and then, um, and then you can wear them just without underwear and and not have any shaping or panty lines and that kind of thing. If, if you don't have that problem at all, but it's something that is very, I mean, the majority of, of amateur riders are middle-aged women. And the fact that nothing is talked about, you know, about the whole issue or even having had children or even going into perimenopause and menopause, there's women that have never had children that have, um, you know, changes in their pelvic floor just because of aging. I mean, we're super lucky we get lower estrogen levels and things like that, you know, our, and you can see the aging in our bodies in our face or whatever, but you don't, because we don't see necessarily our pelvic floor every day, um, you know, it's, it's just an, it's something that I'm really, really passionate about, and um, and I feel like nobody should have to give up their athleticism or something that they love uh, because of something they're experiencing at you know one snapshot in time. So.
3: Right. Absolutely. So where can people go and learn more about it and find out? Because you're currently Uh, have you manufactured everything? Where are, where are you now in the process? Because we caught you right at the beginning of this process. We've been kind of following along with your journey through creating a company and a brand. So where are you right now?
0: Yeah. And well, first I would like to thank you guys for being so supportive and loving and just, you and Glenn and the HRN community and the auditors group and everything. You guys have been so, so supportive. So thank you so much for that. Um, and yeah, I talked to you guys at the beginning of May babes and attorney and the postpartum leggings, and those have done so well. And now we're into the final stages of manufacturing the, the equestrian um, riding leggings. So uh, I kind of vacillate between leggings and tights and it's, it's they're the same thing. I I need to pick a word and stick with it. But um yeah, we're in so we manufacture in Portland uh and internationally uh through a company in Singapore. And we are so so close to launching. We should be launched completely by October with the US made
5: wow. uh, writing
0: types. So, Yay, that's uh, so exciting. Yeah, it's super exciting, and the fabric. I'm like a total, total fabric nerd, and we're gonna have um, very inclusive sizing. So we'll go up to 4x um, from extra small to 4x. That's really important to me because everybody can ride, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, it's just it's it's really exciting, and being able to manufacture here in the U.S. Uh, is really important to me. So I'm I'm really really happy that we have a fabulous company in, in Portland that has done. I think we've done eight prototypes
4: so far yeah. of
0: the writing types uh because I just want them to be perfect and and they are with me every step of the way and then uh, the company that's in Singapore has done a wonderful job too, but those will not be available until December because of um well everybody knows right now the the i mean you go to the grocery store and there's empty shelves, so you know yeah every uh.
3: The C word. We don't mention that word on this show anymore. The C word has <laughs> <No>. taken over. <laughs>
0: uh, but well, where can people go and check this product out? They can go to Maybabes Equestrian, um, com is my website. And that just has a launch page and kind of some updates here and there. My um, Maybabes Equestrian on Instagram is probably the best place to Reach out or follow along because I try to. I've been trying to really just bring everybody along on the journey of. Um, I have videos of me sitting in my saddle in my tack room, like checking seams and things like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, and so that's the best place. It's at Babes, um Equestrian on Instagram. And then um, if you are looking for maternity or postpartum leggings, it's MaybatesTheBrand.com is the website. So. Or I'm in the auditor's group, so you can always ask me any kind of question there. Uh, Nothing is off-limits. Yeah, absolutely.
3: Well, (laughs) as always, uh, Emily, we wish you the best of luck, and we're so proud of you and all that you've done, and wish you the best of luck, and keep us
1: posted.
0: Thank you so much, Jamie. I appreciate it so, 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 so much.
1: This health segment is brought to you by Daily Dose Equine. This
0: is such a thrill.
3: I've got two doctors on the line. I've got Dr. Jones from Florida Equine, and Dr. Jones meet Dr. Ying, who's also in Florida. Hi, Dr. Jones. (laughs) How are you? Good. Oh, It's awesome to have both of you guys on. This is so cool. So what we were going to talk to you today, because we've already done an extensive EPM conversation, is um, we are going to talk a little bit about bone cysts and um i believe jennifer even mentioned my other producer uh, navicular bursitis so what is let's let, very broad giant subject but what is a bone cyst that was my first question
4: who wants to take it oh it's us all you. you this is your turn oh okay Great. Well, basically a bone cyst is what we see on x-ray. It's a lucency or a black area inside the bone or at the joint surface that there is no bony development in that area. Okay. And and why why is that? It comes in different uh, sizes and descriptions. So some are called subchondral bone cysts. Those you usually see in the stifle. And they're underneath the cartilage. They're more they're deeper into the bone. Then there are some bone cysts that actually lie down further into the bone that don't cause any lameness or any problems, but they are apparent. Um and they can sometimes resolve on their own as the horse grows and pushes and makes more bone in the growth plate, or they can just lie there quiescent most of the horse's life. Then it sounds like you mentioned one that people call bone cyst, as they see it in the center of a navicular bone. And uh, they feel that that sometimes comes from bone edema or some swelling within the bone itself and causing some separation and not being as calcified, I guess would be my best way to say it.
3: So you mentioned young horses. Is this something young horses get or all ages?
4: Um, all ages, but we see it primarily in young horses. They believe that most of them start when they're young, especially the ones in the stifle. And they usually, you know, when we talk about bone cysts in general, we talk about the stifle, the hock, the fetlock, the shoulder, and sometimes down in the pastern or the coffin bone. But really, we're looking at the stifle, the hock, the fetlock, and the shoulder as our primary bone cyst. Um, areas. And some of those, when we radiograph the young horses under 12 years of age, you'll see one, and a lot of the surgeons say, No, I don't want to do anything with it right now. Let's see what it looks like when they're a year and a half. And they either move down with the growth plate and be, cause no problem, or they'll go in and they'll drill them out or they'll inject them. I myself have injected some with stem cells in the field um, to see if we can reduce them, usually in an older horse. But if they sit there, from a young age, they continue to stay in that spot until they get older. Again, they got a yada warm bloods don't get started until they're five or six years of age. You don't see a lameness until that age. Um, and then you start addressing the problem and say, Oh, when did this pop up? It could have been there when they were a yearling. You just never radiographed the horse until they were five or six years of age with a lameness.
3: Right, right. So, uh, you know, focusing on the bone cysts and the stifle, because I have a friend with a three-year-old warm blood. You just literally talked about her. You just described it. <laughs> so she has a three-year-old warm blood and he, she started him and she's riding him around and he came up, a. She, she brought him up for a lesson. And he came up a little sore, x-rayed the stifle. He's got a bone cyst in it. What causes that?
4: They feel that some of it's trauma-related, but they don't have an accurate, accurate diagnosis on it because some start at such a young age. So they feel that those, some of those might be genetically, you know, related, not that they would pass it on to a bunch of other ones, but that is a suspicion. Uh, I had a warm-blood client, and she was actually an employee that had one in the shoulder on her young mare, founded at two to three years of age, and she chose never to breed her. Because she thought that possibly she might pass it on, and she felt she should do the right thing and not breed her. So they didn't. They can't say one hundred percent they're genetically related, like they'd pass it on to every single offspring. But uh, that is one of the discussions. Trauma is another discussion. Maybe they did something as they were growing up out in the field in the first couple of years of life and caused some damage to the subchondral area, and it causes a lack of vascularization in that area or a bruising in that area or an edema in that area, and then it just continues to um, get larger in size or it stays the same size. They're usually circular in the stifle. They're found in the, uh, the femoral condyle, the medial femoral condyle, so they're on the femur. Um, and then there's a lot of different approaches that people have had. Surgeons try to dig them out and inject them, inject them at the same time with arthroscopy. Uh, some people just say, let's just inject and see what we get out of it. Um, those kind of things. But those are definitely why we do stifle radiographs on pre-purchases to look for those.
3: Gotcha. So with the injection, you, put, you mentioned stem cell. Is that something that can help it? Or are you injecting it with like a steroid to calm it down?
4: Both of them you can do either one, and there's not enough data out there to say that the stem cells are an absolute got to do it it's gonna help uh, but it's certainly something that we're all trying in the field, and there's just not enough data to say it works
3: so- understood okay
4: and if if for say somebody has a a bone
3: cyst in one leg, is it going to be in the other side as well, or is it typically just on one side?
4: Typically on one side, but they always, especially if they're going to go under the knife, you know, or an arthroscopy, they'll always radiograph both and they do the same with the hawk to see if they need to go in and do the other one while they're under anesthesia and go in and dig them out or clean them out.
3: Gotcha. Now, when you mentioned the the issues in the navicular, is that something that can be solved or removed or calmed down or fixed? Or is it uh, kind of a uh, sometimes with the navicular stuff, it's a an ender, you know?
4: Right. Um, it actually depends on how the cyst looks. So back in the days, radiographs were the only thing we had. And the same with, you know, the stifle now still, because we can't get stifles into MRIs and take a good look at them, but we can get a foot into an MRI and get a better look at that cyst. But with the cyst of the navicular bone, I know when we were doing a navicular study, navicular bone study, that if they had a white ring around it, what they call sclerotic ring, it's S C L E R O. TIC, sclerotic. Well done. Um, that, that, and I'm speaking to you in my new braces, by the way. Oh, <laughs> so I'm, having, I'm having a very hard time making words lately, talking to clients. Anyway, um, the, the sclerotic ring, they felt that medicine couldn't really penetrate and get to those cysts and help those bony cysts out. So for those drugs that are out there, Osphos, children that are made for navicular, they feel that if there's a sclerotic ring around those types of uh, bone cysts, and that, that's what people are calling them as a bone cyst, because the circular um, uh, opacity or um, radiolucency in the bone, they feel that they can't get the drug into it because the sclerotic ring um, does not allow the drug to absorb in. So uh, those tend to not have as good a diagnosis as just a circular cyst, an early onset cyst. Again, in the foot, MRI is going to be your ultimate diagnostic tool to say, can we fix this horse or can we not fix this horse? A lot of times those those cysts in the navicular bone um, also have other associated problems such as bursitis, um, adhesions in the bursa, and some fibrillation where it's just tearing of the deep digital flexor tendon. So it's not just that cyst that's causing the problem. There might be others. Now, again, MRI helps people out with that.
3: Well, if Wednesday uh, is not enough for people to learn, all of the medical stuff we have on Wednesdays is awesome. We've all learned a new word today. Everybody repeat it with me, sclerotic. And we even (laughs) know how to spell it. (laughs) Very impressive, Dr. Jones. Well, this is great. So I feel like this is a subject that we could probably pick your brain on uh, with every joint talking about bone cysts. Is there something that we can do when the horses? in utero or born or something to prevent bone cysts from happening?
4: Well, there's always speculation out there about feeding nutrition. And um, we're still learning about some of that to see if it's changing um, how these cysts per se are forming. Um, So they feel that that Nutrition balance of the mare or in the early lives of the foal is going to make a big difference on these cysts. So, you know, your less protein, doing more forages, that kind of thing, it seems to be a better source. But that's still, again, um, being researched and looked at. Uh, As far as the other thing, uh, again, my um, employee chose not to breed her mare. She thought that maybe she might pass it on. Some people feel that maybe that's what they should do—is not breed those horses and um, stop the cycle of that. Again. We're still looking at those um, potentials.
3: You know what? I feel like you're like kind of answering every question, but then telling me that there's really not. You're really not sure, and it's kind of yeah. frustrating. It is.
4: That's why they call it And practice. you know what? For for your friend who found out now that the horse is going into training, that's when we find it. Those are the most frustrating to those people. And again, that's why we're sticking stem cells in there, and, and we're doing a bunch of other stuff because we're trying. We're trying whatever we can to get those horses out there performing and and enjoying them because we didn't know before four or five years of age.
1: Right. Uh, you know, just, Dr. Jones, I think ahead. one of the really important things you said too, about that situation with Jamie's friend and the three-year-old warmblood is that sometimes people think, well, I don't need pre-purchase radiographs. And really, I mean, they can be so important to, to avoid an issue like this, you know, or go into it with your eyes open. Like you might Absolutely. still buy the horse anyways, but at least, you know, what's there.
4: Absolutely, absolutely.
1: Now I will give it
3: to up to my friend. She did buy this horse in utero, so X-rays were not available. Okay. okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, now they are, and and like I said, we have a good vet who who found out all that information for us, and they're they're treating it the way that they should. But that's just interesting. Two things have come up on the show that I'm I'm, I'm currently dealing with <laughs> <laughs> with me. Uh, you know what? Maybe I'm dealing with all the things, and we could talk about anything, and it would work. Well, Dr. Jones, uh, where can can people find you to find more information if they have questions about any of these bone cysts or anything even I mean, because Florida com is a resource that everybody should go visit. Um, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah.
4: Absolutely. They can send us um, email messages through there. We get tons of them a day. And so we just filter through and respond to them, you know, as quickly as we can. Sometimes it takes us an extra day because we do get quite a few a day through that website. And of course, your AAP site is also another good source for any kind of uh, good uh, management and horse care needs, too. They have your documentation of what they recommend for vaccination protocols and uh, white papers on EPM, since you mentioned that earlier, things like that. So.
3: Fantastic. Well, Doctor Jones is always—it's a pleasure having you on. And enjoy those braces and take a lot of Advil when they get tightened.
4: <laughs> Thank you very much. I appreciate the help.
2: <laughs> and here I am again, joined by Janet Geyer, who is the mad scientist behind da- Daily Dose Equine Horse Feeds, and we're going to talk a little bit about roasting your horse's horse feed. That's right—the the ingredients that are non-GMO verified in the daily dose equine horse feeds sometimes are roasted. And I'm sure there's a reason for that. So, Janet, inform me.
5: Well, thank you very much, Jen. Um, The reason that we flame roast is really twofold. One of them is uh, basically to increase digestibility. Because once you roast, it opens up the kernels and allows the product to be a whole lot more digestible. So you actually get more for your money. The second reason is is that grain usually sits in a silo for a long period of time. And during this period of time, you have little creatures in there, you have little mice, you have insects, you have birds, you have droppings, you have bacteria and mold growing. And if it sits for a really long period of time in a humid environment, it can really grow a lot of mold. So by roasting it, you're actually killing off the mold and uh, killing off the bacteria and making a cleaner product.
2: Does that change the moisture content or do you add moisture back into it again?
5: Well, it actually lowers the moisture content and we use this actually as a natural preservative. So moisture creates mold and bacteria to grow. If you don't have any of the spores there to grow, uh, you're not going to have any mold and bacteria. And by keeping the moisture low, Uh, It's a natural preservative. So we don't have to add anything, no chemical uh, mold inhibitors in there.
2: I like that idea a whole lot. So if you want to learn more about the Daily Dose Equine non-GMO verified horse feeds, you can do that at DailyDoseEquine.com. And you can also find a local retailer to purchase your feed, or you can go to Chewy.com and order your horse feed for fast and convenient nationwide delivery. Thanks, Janet.
1: Time to learn why some days you're embarrassed to be part of the human race in Jamie's Weird News.
3: Wendy, this is one of my favorite segments of the week, and I'm so glad you get to be here for it because it it pretty much if 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 you see a news story and you read it and you're like, wow, that was weird then I encourage people to send it to me so I can share it with the world. Jamie at horseradionetwork.com in the subject line, put weird news, and then you get to be a part of the show. And I would like to thank, let's see, I've got Jenny, Celeste, Laureen and uh, Nicole for sending me all of these weird news stories. I don't say who sent what, because I don't think, Everybody needs to know where you're getting these weird stories. So, um, let's start with we are going to head to where is this story from? And the New Zealand New Zealand University of Auckland. And this is tests that were done at an animal research lab in Germany. And um, the the subject line is the uh, the headline is No Bull Scientists Potty train cows to use the moo loo. (laughs) I don't believe it. It says, turns out cows can be potty trained as easily as toddlers and maybe easier. It's noble. Oh, my God. The like puns are just just so throughout this whole thing. So scientists were put to the test to, to train 16 cows to learn the moo-loo when they had to go to the bathroom. Now, apparently 11 of the 16 figured it out. So there were some that were a little slower than others, kind of like my son learning to potty train. Um, they said the cows are at least as good as children aged ages 2 to 4, at least as quick. So basically, they would encourage these cows to go pee In a bathroom. And I don't know the exact location, but they would give them food and they used young baby cows and they would get them to go when they had to pee. They would learn to go through this little like uh, panels to a certain area and urinate and then they get a treat. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I don't believe it. <laughs> I
3: mean, it says in Germany, they research mimicked a toddler's training, putting the cows in the special pen, waiting till they urinate, give them a reward. And, um, then they got out. And so, uh, it said, if the cows urinated outside of the mooloo after the initial training, they got squirted with water. Oh, my this God. That's awful. Positive and negative. And uh, they did not teach them to poop in it. They just taught them to pee in it, apparently. try that with my goat.
1: <laughs> <I> squirted <laughs> him with water when he goes to the bathroom. Not. She, loves it, to, it, she loves to pee on my hay bale. Like, if she sees oh. a hay bale in the hay wagon, she jumps up and then pees on it.
3: Oh my gosh, what a naughty goat. That, you know what? I tell mm-hmm. I've said this on the show before. I have I, I could bring home a horse tomorrow. And my husband would be like, cool. If I brought home a goat or a cat, he would divorce right. me. So <laughs> the goat is. <laughs> and the he would be well
1: within his rights to do that. Yes,
3: exactly. <laughs> All right, we're gonna go to the next story, and this is just well. It's weird. It's weird news. And it says that the title of the article is DC Congresswoman Swears She Didn't Let a Pack of Zebras Loose. (laughs) What? Okay, so apparently, five zebras have been on the run since August 31st after they escaped from a private farm in Prince George's County, Maryland, according to the Washington Post. Okay, so some zebras are loose. Great. This friggin Eleanor, the I I, that's her, her Twitter name here. Let me find her actual name. Representative Eleanor Holmes Norton, a Democrat who serves as the district's delegate in the House, released a statement on Friday, denying any knowledge of how the zebras escaped. (laughs) <laughs> and she also took the chance to plug her out for a D.C. statehood. Um, so politically, somebody says, hey, there's five zebras loose. And she gets on and she's like tweets. I've been following the news of the zebras on the run in the D.C. suburbs. Local news has reported that the zebras were let loose on Saturday or Sunday of last weekend, a period of time during which I was enjoying quiet time at home with my family. So my alibi is secure. Nobody accused her of letting them go. Were, were they her he... zebras? No. <laughs> They're not hers. There's no reason for her to do that, aside from the fact that now an article from the dailybeast.com was written about her tweeting that it, she didn't do it. I didn't do it. She mm-hmm. says, my alibi is solid. But given my career of fighting for statehood for the district, which includes years of explaining the importance of having consent and governed my recent opposition to offenses, I can understand why the charge was made. Nobody <laughs> charged her. Nobody charged It's just, you know what? If you read this story, you're like, wow, that's weird. All right. (laughs) Moving on. Now we're going to go from Maryland and D.C. down to Texas. Um, Wendy, how do you feel about snakes? I don't like snakes at all. So this this, this story is going to make you squeeze (laughs) your butt (laughs) cheeks together. Okay. Okay. Everybody together listening right now, squeeze your butt cheeks together and go. Okay, because <laughs> a Texas woman, I, this is this is oddly not the first time that I have done a story like this, Wendy, which makes me to think that there's a problem, and we all need to be a little more careful in the middle of the night when we go to the bathroom, because oh, Patty no. well of Andrews, Texas said, I went to use the bathroom in the middle of the night, and... She realized quickly, she says, that the restroom was occupied when she found a python stretching from the back of the toilet all the way to the sink. In the middle of the night, there is a loose snake in her bathroom. Does she own a snake? Was it hers? No, she does not own a snake. It was Um. not hers. Animal control quickly arrived to pick up the snake, which they believe was likely someone else's escape pet, given its size and appearance of being well-fed. The Tidwell says that um, his memory will live on, and by now she is now putting bricks and other large objects on the toilet when it's not in use, you know, just in case. Could you imagine walking into the bathroom? You know what? I I always pee with the lights off in the bathroom, but that is changing that's
1: changing well you know here in florida uh and i guess it must happen in texas too because of your weather but uh people you know we have a annual everglades uh python roundup and people go down there and catch pythons in the everglades because they're an invasive species and they eat everything so this one probably when they get loose in a neighborhood you know people let them go because they're their pets and they don't want to kill them but they they get big enough that they start eating dogs and cats oh my in the God. neighborhood you know because they're bite-sized but then in florida here they get huge i mean they they can eat like deer and they can eat you know they can kill people oh once my. they're that big Mm-mm. nope they I'm get good. to be like 21 feet long yeah, I'm good. Uh, I can't speak like
3: Harry Potter, so we're not going to be friends. Sorry. Um, now, <laughs> as I like to do in weird news, I don't know if you've heard it much, but I like to head, speaking of Florida, I like to go there in weird news. Because there is always, without fail, a weird news story that comes out of Florida of course. every single week. <laughs> this one, this was not as weird as the other ones, but I'm going to role play a little bit. Um and i'm gonna be I'm gonna be a man who owns a drone, okay? and yeah. you know what? you're gonna be you're you're gonna play my wife what what was a good a good Florida woman's name like an older older Florida woman's name older Florida yeah. Uh, Ruth Ann. okay, here, perfect And my name is Bubba, because okay. you're okay. my wife Ruth Ann, you know what we need to do this weekend? We're going to head down to the Everglades And I'm going to take my drone out And I'm going to fly it over, over the Everglades And try to look down and see some alligators What do you think? You're going to do what? I'm going to take my drone out And I'm going to go down to the Everglades And we're going to video us flying this drone Over the Everglades And see what happens And see if we can see any alligators What do you think?
1: Alright, let's go
3: Okay, boom, 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 they go to the Everglades, they walk out, they're like, hey, man, there's an alligator right there. Let's take our drone and let's fly it over the water and we're going to zoom down and we're going to take a look at the top of the alligator. Oh, you know what? I can't really see it all that good. I'm going to get it closer (laughs) and closer. Oh, wait, I'm going to get it real closer. Oh, shoot, what just happened? Let me tell you what happened. Bubba, the alligator jumped up and grabbed your stupid drone out (laughs) of the air and bit it in half. (laughs) And um, it's all on video. And pretty much it exploded and caught on fire. And so the videos of this alligator... Actually, it's a still shot that I can see of the alligator that has leapt up in the air and has grabbed the drone. And now the whole thing, like, exploded in the alligator's mouth. And there's, like, a giant poof of smoke oh coming out of the alligator's mouth. Yeah. Good job, Ruth and Bubba. Way to go.
1: <laughs>
3: they basically – and then apparently uh, it is a felony to harass animals down there. But they haven't figured out who – uh Ruth Ann and Bubba's real names are. That's why I had to make them up. <laughs> but you can hear the woman on the video. You can hear the woman on the video go, Oh my God, don't eat that. George, no, no, because apparently they named the alligator George. Why wouldn't they? And another woman goes, Is it a bar right now? <laughs> and the next woman says, Oh man, we got to get out of here. <laughs> And cut the video and then take off. I know, now, the Ever <laughs> the Everglades National Park Service wrote on Instagram, drones and alligators don't mix. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, harassing wildlife is prohibited and can cost you up to $5,000 in fines. I'm going to go on a limb here and tell you that Ruth and Bubba ain't got $5,000, so y'all better run. <laughs> So fantastic. All right. And there's your weird news for the week. We always have to end with Florida. And again, if you see a weird news story, you can send it to me, Jamie at horseradionetwork.com with weird news in the subject line. Thank you, everybody, for sending those. We've learned so much today, Wendy. Who knew cows could be potty trained? (laughs) Who knew? All right. Well, Wendy, thank you so much for joining me and letting me pick your brain about EPM. We really, uh, gosh, I, I've got a lot to, to talk to my vet about today and I really appreciate it. And I'll go to the Chi Institute website, which again is tcvm.com. Wendy, where can people find you and uh, learn more about you? and want you promote your show?
1: People can find me at drwendyying.com and also at the driving radio show. All right, fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us, everybody. Have
3: a great weekend and spay, neuter, and geld. Not weekend, what the heck? It's only Wednesday. Spay, neuter, geld. <laughs>